Welcome to the In Search For More podcast, where guests join me in my search for more, more from myself and more from life. I'm your host, Ellie Nash. Well, we are back once again with Omar Pinto. Omar Pinto is a close friend, a coach that I worked with for a couple of years, and he was also a guest on a podcast a little while ago uh, we titled Forgive Me For My Guilt. In this episode, we explore the differences between therapy and coaching. Well, both of them are very large worlds. We look at it through the lens of my experience and Omar's work as a coach. I know that's a question that many people have, when to call a coach, when to call a therapist. I hope that you find this episode helpful in determining some of that. I will see you on the other side. Omar, someone said to me, um, and I do want, because not everyone knows who you are, certainly. Um, I'm sure people are familiar with me, have heard your name before. So I want to get into your story um, a little bit. But before I do, someone said to me, how can you have a conversation about therapy and coaching without a therapist on the panel? How can it just be you and Omar? So do you think we made a mistake by not having a therapist uh, share their side? Oh, there are no mistakes, Ellie. Okay. There are no mistakes. There's just choices. And we made a choice to discuss therapy versus coaching and did not consider bringing on a therapist. However, I am not opposed to having a therapist on the panel. So I can tell you why I didn't. What my response was is that a number of occasions I've had conversations. First of all, it still won't be fair because any therapist I choose is still going to be two on one because you and I know each other so well. So it's still, <laughs> still going to end up being that dynamic. So, But not so much about that. I just, I've hosted these conversations and it just works so much better one-on-one than me having to sit there and it's like, that guy talk enough? Is his hand too short than the other? Do I have to ask him an extra question because of that? And it just takes me out of the conversation instead of allowing it to be free-flowing and, and going where it goes. So- uh, full disclaimer, Omar is a coach. He's not a therapist. Omar was my coach. He fired me. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. later on because uh, I still haven't got a good explanation for it, <laughs> for, <laughs> for it yet. But um, so full disclaimer on those, Omar and I worked together. He was my coach probably for about two years. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously there's a lot of bias to this conversation, but I still intend to... Um, I, I don't know where Omar is going to go with all of his answers, but I still intend to challenge you a little bit, Omar, on, on some of these. So at least I can bring out that voice on, well, when is therapy appropriate or, you know, what are the limitations? Maybe you'll go right into that and there'll be nothing for me to decide. But before we go into the discussion about therapy versus coaching, when, where, how, and what business do coaches have charging more than therapists with their big fancy degrees? <laughs> Where do you get the nerve? The chutzpah. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your story. Sure, absolutely. So where, where did you grow up? Uh, who did you grow up with? Well, you know, and, and that's the great thing. I want to. I also want to keep it very light. I might, you know, full transparency and disclosure. I, you know, I don't have experience with therapy in the sense that I didn't study to be a counselor or a therapist. Okay. And I also didn't go to actual therapy, right? My, my journey. You've never been to therapy? I've never been to therapy. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I've been coached. Okay. So right. I've had, when I got into personal development, 
it was it ex where my where my personal development opened up was when I got introduced to coaching and it changed my life. So my story is, you know, growing up in in California, uh, my dad's from Colombia, my mom's from Cuba. They migrated to the United States, right? I'm first generation uh, United States citizen who now lives in Costa Rica. I've been living here now for 22 years and wow. working, you know, abroad for for many years. Um, and so for me, as far as my education goes, very, very limited. I struggled very much in high school. Um, I went, once I finished high school, I got into college, tried to find my way in college, wasn't able to graduate uh, with a degree. Um, I got a associate's degree in, in math and science, um, spent about four years in, in a university and just didn't quite uh, find my find what I was passionate about or, or find, find my way into, you know, being able to, to grasp the scholastic system. I guess that's the best way to describe it. And then from then on, it was just school of hard knocks. Okay. I started drinking when I was 16 and a half years old, which started my, my drinking career. Um, and then when I moved to Costa Rica, um, I started dabbling more into, into drugs, um, into hard drugs. Um, and then ultimately, about four years into being into living in Costa Rica, I had a tremendous rock bottom with cocaine and ended up in, in the 12 steps. So, you know, all that real quick, fast forward into my personal development journey, my personal development and my coaching comes from the beginnings, which is the 12 step program. So in 2003, uh, I got clean and sober in Narcotics Anonymous. And about a year after I got clean, I started sponsoring guys. And I sponsored men for some for close to 12 years. Right. So what I didn't really recognize what was happening was I was going to school. I was getting an education. Just coaching. Right? People. I was just not coaching, sponsoring people. Right. Sponsoring people. But what what is it? What is it that a sponsor does? Right. You know, it, it could be considered counseling, it could be considered therapy, it could be considered coaching, right? It's really two individuals one-on-one, -on -one, building rapport, creating a connection, and being able to work on themselves, okay? In a therapeutic setting. You can even say it's in a therapeutic well, so setting. Let me, let me so let me challenge you there at first opportunity so my my sponsor in recovery always reminds me hey i'm not a therapist i'm not a therapist right. like that's mm -hmm. not was that not your experience in um in uh the 12 steps where a sponsor would tell you like hey like that's outside of my purview that's not my deal speak to a therapist for that everything was fear game correct no that's exactly as a matter of fact that's what i was taught Okay, you're not a therapist. Okay, you're a sponsor. Your job is to take them through the steps. And that was the same thing with my sponsor. My job is to get you through the steps. I'm not a therapist. However, being in that setting is therapeutic. Can is 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 that you're fair? Certainly dealing with a lot of stuff. Yeah, I I can't tell you exactly when my um when my sponsor decided to bring that up, like when he would say that versus, mm -hmm. okay, this conversation we'll have, like, what is that line between it? It's just something he would 
uh, he would often say, but maybe, I mean, I think about myself, I sponsor a number of people, not nearly the amount you have, and saying like, my job is to take someone through the 12 steps. Mm -hmm. So if they start getting dicey with me, I'm like, call Omar. <laughs> well, here, well, here's what happened. My first sponsor, okay, once he took me through the 12 steps, shifted from being my sponsor and became my mentor. He became my mentor, or I guess you could call him my business coach. Because I had, I was now in a C-level position in the company that I was working for. And he was either, you could say he was an entrepreneur. He's a businessman, you know, and surprise, surprise, he's also Jewish. So um, it was an incredibly intelligent, very business savvy uh, individual who eventually, so we went from him and I exclusively working on the steps to us exclusively working on me becoming a professional about me being a businessman right and he started taking me through like he started working me we would meet every week and we would talk about okay so tell me what's going on at work tell me what's going on you know your objectives so let's, your goals your numbers so let's take some of that story so when when you you mentioned the school of hard knocks you went you got into recovery as you were in costa rica you're doing your your drugs a little bit Done, here and there, lots then of drugs. here and here, then here and yeah. here and here and there. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, maybe I'll start recovering. After that, you became a executive in a company. Correct. Gotcha. You know, I, was, I was I was CMO at a company, chief marketing officer. You know, for for a company here in Costa Rica, uh, a U.S. based company, and I needed I needed help, right? And so we just shifted gears. Okay. And he started mentoring me or coaching me, right? I would be struggling with something and his experience, his business experience, and also even in relationships, right? As, as, as we all know in recovery, right? We get to a place where we're pretty good in our recovery and it's time for us to start considering being in a relationship, right? right. And so we find as, out how clueless we are, we find out even how much more clueless we are, right? <laughs> So here's what now. So there's there's part of my journey. There's part of my journey getting to there. And then there was a time and space where I just dedicated my life to being in the business world. So I was an executive for a while, uh, working for a company. And then at some point, it was when I launched my podcast. When I launched the share, so you podcast. launched your podcast while you were still in the business world. Correct. Yes, and it was a hobby. It was something that I was passionate about, and I decided that I wanted to discuss recovery on a platform, okay? I wanted to bring, I, wanted, I loved going to meetings and hearing people share their story, so I thought, what a great concept for a podcast. Let me interview people so they can share their story of recovery, okay, mm -hmm. and, and, and share it with the world, okay? These are just regular people that no one's really going to meet. They're not like these you know, fancy speakers, you know, that, that are very gifted at speaking and share their story all over the, the United States. There are people right next door. And so what happened was, you know, I'll just say that you know, it was, it was God, you know, I was very, I was very blessed, very grateful that my podcast did very, very well. It just from, when I launched in 2015 to between 2015 and 2017, so in that two-year span of time, 
I was doing somewhere in the neighborhood of 30, 35,000 downloads a month, five to 6,000 downloads per episode. Right. And, you know, my Facebook group at the time had, had grown to about 5,000 members. And I'm talking all, all recovery people, right? All people in all that space. recovery, so it's like all, yes. Like a really niche group, a good I number have, of people are really good yeah. number of this niched recovery based group of followings. Right. And I became a public figure. So I was sought out to be on podcasts and also to interview people that had, you know, other recovery podcasts and something started to happen. Okay. So this, the, the notoriety kind of pushed me into being an advocate, uh, a speaker, a, um, so at this time, so, you're still not a coach. No. Well, coaching's in your still, blood. I mean, that we've established already. You're probably a coach when you were three. Hey, Jimmy, go to the right. It, it, since I was very, very young, okay, especially, especially in my teens, when I was in my teens, I remember people would come to me, okay, that were older than me, it, people that had problems in their marriages. I'm a teenager. What do I know about struggling with my marriage, communicating with my husband or my wife or whatever the case may be? And, I rem and it's funny because I think about those times and I remember sitting there listening to them something came out of my mouth and they would say, Omar, I'm so glad I came and talked to you. I feel so much better. Right. You're you know, like you're, a bartender in a past life or something. Right. Yeah. 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 You're, you're, you're an old soul. Has anyone ever told you that you're an old soul? Okay. And so I got a lot of that when I was growing up, I just, people were just always have been drawn to me for one in one way or another. I have always been in the service industry I was a, a waiter. I was a bartender. You know, I've been in the service industry. Always been that guy, okay, that people are drawn to. And so fast forward back to where we were at, you know, and me uh, launching the podcast. There was something there where I no longer, I felt like something needed to change in my life. And I knew that the podcast had something to do with it because it was having such a tremendous impact. My interviewing skills were getting better and better. I was having more powerful conversations, more dynamic conversations. And in the course of all this, I met Ellie. Okay. Right, that's true. I, I told we, you, yeah, you know, you remember how we met. Ellie and I would not be on this conversation, having this conversation right now, if I had not launched the podcast. Right. That's correct. So we met doing the podcast interview and um, he was also part of mic drop. And I said, I, I definitely want to go into public speaking. So I jump, I, you know, we spoke off of the interview and I went and worked with Rosh, Rosh Lowe. And I did my mic drop, which ended up getting on Goldcast. Yeah, that was nuts. And how many views has that had now? Like hundreds of thousands, maybe more. No, I, I think it's just over a million now. Wow. Okay. So, so it's like this, these things that just started happening naturally in my life that just kept guiding me towards the same ultimate reality, which is that I have a gift. I have a gift to be able to connect with people. I have a gift of the ability to build rapport quickly. Um, trust quickly i connect with people it's energetic it's something that some when of it you I and i met you are already coaching at that point yes. right 
Yeah. Yes. So how did that when transition were, happen? How did you get from the podcast into coaching? Did the coaching start before the podcast, after the podcast? Okay. So no, no, no. So around 2017. So we must have met in 2018. Uh, maybe 19. I think 19. Okay, 2018, 2019. So in 2017, I wanted to make the transition out of the corporate world and into the personal development space. Um, and it was just this, this knowing. Um, and since I didn't really, I didn't have, I guess you could say the certification at the time, right? Just a lot of years of experience as, as a sponsor and working one-on-one -on -one with men for, you know, 12 years, I recognized that I had a gift. I had this huge following of people, the podcast, and I joined a mastermind community. I joined a mastermind community and um, throughout in that mastermind community, you coach each other inside a mastermind. For those of you that don't know what a mastermind, it's a group of between five, usually five to eight men or women or both that meet once a week or every two weeks or once a month to go to hold each other accountable. Uh, for mine, it was specifically for business. So is all businessmen, entrepreneurs, okay, that we would meet and we hold, hold each other accountable. We would discuss our wins, what we're struggling with, right? So it was already a setting where there was coaching. There was people that were ahead of me, okay, that were very successful financially. And those of us that were, you know, just up and coming, trying to figure out what to launch, how to launch our business, what kind of business to go into, you know, how to market, all these things. So when I show up into this mastermind, I had what most people want to create when they launch their business. So for those, for people who launch a coaching practice or any kind of practice, they try and build their social media platform and right. their following after they've become a certified coach. I built my following before I even knew right. I was going to be a coach. So there was never really kind of this disingenuous sort of like, you know, I'm, you know, if a podcasting slash marketing myself as a coach kind of a thing, which always felt kind of uncomfortable in the beginning. Right. There was no sales pitch at the beginning. You were just hey, I'm zero. My story. No, there kind was of like no me with pitch. this. The sales pitch is coming 2027. 2027. 2027. Okay. The sales pitch is coming for what I'm doing. Tina. I'm just working. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm joking. Great. It was a total joke. I'm saying the same okay. thing. It's just natural. You're not doing it for any obvious gain. You're just saying, hey, I'm, I'm doing this. I want to share something with the world. I'm hearing stuff in meeting people talk in ways that in meetings, people talk in ways they don't talk in the real world. It's like, hey, if more and more people can hear these stories, it would be incredible. So you put that out there, doing that for a few years. It's building up faster than you imagined possible. Yes. Like, hey, maybe. And, and maybe so here's what else. happens. In the mastermind, okay, they're like, okay, so tell me about what you have. Yeah, I told them about the podcast, the numbers, you know, the following this. And they're like, they were, I, I remember their faces on the Zoom call going, you have what? How are you monetizing that? I go, I'm not. Okay, you need to be monetizing that, right? I needed permission, Ellie. I need someone to give me permission to coach because I could not give myself the permission. You know, the imposter syndrome was very, very thick at that time. Very, very thick. So for me, what I was doing, because it became, it was so natural for me to do what I do, I didn't feel 
like I could possibly charge for it. This is just what I do. Like, yeah, I coach. I mean, I sponsor guys. I'm just, I'm really was, good at it. Was some of what played into that, the fact that um, obviously sponsorship, you don't charge and 12 steps, you don't charge. And it's like, Hey, I'm doing right. That's a big like, part. That's a big, okay. there's a shame in there. There's actually shame in the idea of charging for helping others. And so I had right, part of my master- steps is all free. So here you are. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, are you charging part to of, take me through a step? Yeah. Part of the coaching that I needed to have. Well, part of the coaching that I needed to get from the, from the, from the fellow members of the mastermind was getting over the imposter syndrome and getting over the shame and the discomfort of charging for what I know or, or what I'm naturally gifted at, or the fact that I ha- already had 12 years of practical experience one-on-one with men, right? dealing with addiction, dealing with recovery, dealing with marital issues, dealing with divorce, dealing with bankruptcy. I mean, at some point it was very, things would happen similar to my sponsor where we would finish the 12 steps and then we would go into life. And it was just this natural transition that happened. And I never questioned it. I never thought anything that it was anything special. It was just this natural transition. And so the once, once we worked through my own imposter syndrome, I went to with my wife to an NLP workshop. Now NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. So in the midst of me meeting every week, doing the mastermind work, starting to work on my website, starting to work on my pitch, getting comfortable with the idea. Cause they said, don't worry about selling anything. Just build it first. Okay. Cause I thought I'm not ready. I'm not ready to advertise. I'm not ready to charge. I'm not, I was this big fear. Even like, think about it. There's no way I could have had this conversation with you right up until now. Cause it would have been so much like, well, I've never even been in therapy. I, I don't even know how, and do I have to defend myself? It was right. the, it was thick thick the shame and the imposter syndrome was thick and so in the midst of me just kind of like building the website and getting used to the idea and figuring out what my price point was going to be i go to this nlp workshop okay again neuro-linguistic program neuro brain linguistic language programming it was the most powerful weekend of my life well it was two days of information that was so it just was so simple to me. Like for some people, they go, they would go to the workshop and maybe it feels a little hocus pocusy, but it was so like, I'm eating this up. Like this is the most amazing information that, and I can use this man. Like I can, this is great stuff. And I just became so passionate about it instantaneously that I, I asked the guy immediately who was, teaching the seminar or the, the doing the workshop, I said, do you do one-on-one coaching? He says, absolutely. Right. And I said, let's start. Okay. So imagine 40, what, what, what is, what am I? It's, it was five, about five years ago. So late into my 40, maybe I'm 47 at the time. Okay. And it's the first time I'm asking or hiring someone to coach me, right? Like I went into the mastermind, but now it's one-on-one. Right. You had had a, a sponsor, a mentor before, but this sponsor, is the first time mentor, you're putting money I'm paying, paying yes. money to work one-on-one with an individual. Okay. 
And we had, we worked together for nine hours. And I remember there was this, there was this, like I came in and he's, he sits down with me. He goes, okay, so tell me what your objectives are. And I go, well, I haven't made my first million yet. So my objective is <laughs> to make my first million. Okay. And he's like, great. Make my first million. Okay. For what reason? Uh, uh, well, house, car, the usual bullshit answers start coming out. Right. You know? Uh, okay. And how do you think that's going to make you feel once you have all that stuff? Right. I feel, how's that going to make me feel? Well, free he goes so is it that you want money or is it you want freedom and he changed his pitch okay his tone changed i my whole body changed i felt so uncomfortable right but in that moment i realized something was happening and i couldn't explain it it was beyond my control and as terrified as I was, as the questions were starting to come at me, you know, something inside of me said, oh, whoa, this, this is going to change your life, oh, this is going to change your life. And so I'm already getting all emotional. <laughs> so we worked together, okay, nine hours. So it was three, we would, it was three sessions, three hours each, okay, very intense, like, like full immersion pre-COVID so we could meet in person. And at one point we were in the middle of a discussion. It was going back and forth, questions, 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 right? I felt like I was like in a boxing ring, right? And he says, tell me what you want. And I said, I just want the noise to stop. I just want the noise to stop. He goes, what's the noise? And he says, I said, that I'm not enough. That I'm not smart enough. That I'm not good enough. That I'm not good looking enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not enough. I can't do it. I can't succeed no matter what I do. It's not enough. And he sat there and just listened to me, right? And I'm just bursting into tears. And he's just holding that space, okay? And he stops talking, you know? He just stops talking and he's just holding that space and he's just nodding his head. He's nodding his head and he's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then there was like this pause. And he says, So when do you think, when do you think it'd be enough? And what is enough? For me in that moment, no one had ever asked me that question. And I don't think I'd ever really recognize what the noise was in my head. But in that moment, the only answer that came to me when he said, when do you think it's gonna be enough? And when do you think you're going to be enough? 
the words just came out of my mouth. And I said, I'm enough. He goes, yeah. You've probably been enough for a long time. And you just didn't know it. His audio wasn't clear. You said, I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm enough. I am enough. He says, yeah. You've been enough for a long time. I can still connect with that feeling. And I can still connect with all the work that we did. And I said, this is what I'm going to do, Ellie. I said, this is what I'm going to do. You can do what he did for you. Yeah. Oh, this is what I'm going to. I am going. What he has done for me. And we're talking about at that point, I am at least at least 11 or 12 years clean and sober, already worked the steps, already sponsored guys for over a decade. Okay. Have in this nine hour period of time had the biggest fucking breakthrough of my entire life. And right. I said, now I guess I understand why, because I've never seen anyone do that, right? When you offer the coaching, when you mentioned me the first time, you're like an eight-hour package. I'm like, who yep. would do eight hours, right? So you, that's where you got the idea that that much is possible uh, in that short a time. He changed my life. And from that moment, we were done. Are you still in touch with him? No, I haven't spoken to him in, I couldn't tell you how long. He came to Costa this Rica. Recording. I know. He knows. I'll send him the recording. I'll send him the recording. (laughs) And so I knew in that moment who I was. I saw myself in him. And I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to dedicate my life to doing what he does. And so a part of me, and again, I, not to cast judgment, and the reason why I fired Ellie is because Ellie is my brother. Than eight hours. <laughs> we spent, you know, not for nothing, I just coached him for about two hours the other day, okay? <laughs> so he's, never, he's, he's, he's fired as my client, but he will forever be my brother. Ellie is my family now. And we, yeah, we have spent so much time together and I have so much love for this man. I can't, I can't, I can't charge Ellie, but I will drop whatever I need to drop for Ellie whenever he needs me, because Ellie has been a a cornerstone uh, for my, my own growth and development in, in ways that he knows, he knows who he is in my life. You know, so I made this decision to to follow this path and I wanted people to get I wanted people to get well. I wanted people to I wanted to impact and empower people as quickly as possible. My objective has always been the same. And I I noticed you haven't mentioned his name. Do you not want to mention his name? No, Fabian. Fabian. Okay. Fabian. And well, the reason why I didn't mention his first name is because. You know, I can't pronounce his, his last name, right? <laughs> Fabian is from the Netherlands. He's got this weird last name, right? His English is kind of choppy, okay? But he changed your life. 
he changed my life. Because it didn't matter that his English was a little crunchy, okay? And that sometimes I didn't understand exactly what he was saying. But when he was in coaching mode, he transformed. He became this different person. I've seen those people, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I ended up getting certified under him. Because he was teaching, uh, he was he was a teacher also. So he taught a group of us and certified us in NLP. So, so after that experience, you felt comfortable coaching. Oh, as soon as I was done with our coaching, all right, I made I I created the launch date. I I started fast tracking everything. I'm I'm launching. I'm it's go time. Oh, it's on. Oh, wow. So I work with him. I went through his certification program. I got certified as an NLP practitioner and I launched in three months. I finished my website, got my offerings, created my, my, my media and launched in January, 2018. Wow. Recently. So I have a question from the, you do these eight, nine, nine hours with him and you're ready to become a coach. Was it the technical ideas he taught you that says, okay, now I'm ready to be a coach? Or was it that emotional breakthrough of saying, hey, I'm enough, I'm ready? It was both. Both. It was absolutely both because when I took a workshop, I mean, when I, when I did, when I took the training, I could see the things that he had done with me one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I got to see behind the matrix. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was a, it was this beautiful combination of both. But the truth of the matter is, the further we delved into it, I knew I already had it in me and just couldn't see it in myself. Right. This is who I am. I am a coach, right? Or you just put whatever label you want to put on me, but I am someone who can help people, guide people through trauma, through blockages, through limiting beliefs, through crises, okay? Through very difficult life challenges and i've been doing it for years but and 2018 finally, is when you started charging it was when i gave myself permission to charge because i felt finally for the first time like i was enough <laughs> interesting and now you got the big house on the hill now i got a big ass house <laughs> on the hill in costa rica on two acres overlooking right. the city so let's so let, let's use that to go right into the conversation. I yep. do want to um, mention there's a Q&A area of this chat. If anyone has any um, quest, if questions that they'd like to um, ask, punch it into the Q&A. And now I want to get into the meat of the conversation with Omar. So you're saying you work with people with trauma, with relationship issues, with anything else. Does it ever happen that someone calls you and you're like, hey, this is not for me. This is for a therapist. Um, interesting, interesting. And I don't know if I've used the words therapist, but I have said, this is out of my depth. I'm going to let me be transparent with you. This right here, I've never worked with someone who had X. And so this might not be the right fit. I'm more than willing to take you through my process. But I will tell you that I do feel a little out of my depth in this particular arena. That was, I had that conversation, 
a handful of times in my first year. Since then, it hasn't happened. Okay. And it and hasn't happened because the right people are calling or because nothing's out of your I know, I know, I know nothing's off the table. I, nothing's off the table with me. I know this. I know that no matter what somebody comes to me with, most of the times it's something else. There's so many different layers underneath whatever it is that people come to me about. Okay? I just start peeling onion layers back and I use a, the same method. I use a very, I use, you know, s- simple methods to get the answers that I need about the individual. Okay. So once I've unpacked and I've gotten a general idea of who they are and how their upbringing was and the roles that they have played, the needs that they have, okay, and I get to get to know them, then we start moving once again towards the objectives. But again, there's- Can we these... go into a few examples in the first year of things that you're like, hey, this is out of my depth, but now you don't feel that way? Okay, so one was- one was no names or identifying information. No, or, no, 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 yeah. no, no. Well, there it's it's actually interesting. One was smoking. Okay. Somebody came to me and goes, I can't stop smoking. And I go, Well, interestingly enough, I've been in um, yeah, I come from a 12-step background and people that can quit cocaine and heroin and you know, all kinds of incredible benzodiazepines can't quit smoking. So when you said smoking, my mind went somewhere else completely. I got to do my 12 steps again. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Next. Sorry. So I, he, I said, I've never sponsored anyone about smoking. I've never coached anyone about smoking. It feels like it feels like it would be a little out of my depth. Okay. However, however, I do have a, a process that I take my clients through we can give it a shot, right? But I just want to, for full transparency, I've never worked with someone who wanted to quit smoking, right? And guess what? He's like, you know what? I appreciate you being honest and open about that. Let's give it a shot. Let's right. give it a shot. Let's see. I have, it's 2022. He's one of my first clients, right? And we started coaching again. This year, like we had worked through what we did in 2018. And, and then back. a few years later, he's like, dude, I've got some stuff now. I've got my business has changed and I need help. And I'm like, boom, let's get back in. And then he was like, hey, my wife's struggling with some stuff. And now I'm working with his wife. So Neat. it's what the for me, the difference between coaching and therapy, because my limited understanding in, in therapy, right? is that mine is much, at least my coaching style is very goal and objective oriented. I, I want us to discuss whatever it is that you are struggling with at the time. And once we are done uncovering or working through that issue, then it's like, we're done unless there's something new that you want to work on, right? And then it, I want to give my clients the opportunity to say, I'm out. Peace. Right. right. It's not this indefinite. Come to me once a week for the rest of your life, unless you want to have a really uncomfortable conversation with the therapist. They're like, Hey, I think I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, and I, exactly. <laughs> I give, I give my clients an opportunity to opt out. Okay. 
every that's your time approach, we right? Like eight something. sessions, eight se- like we'll do eight sessions, eight sessions, and then when someone's when someone's done and they say no, man, let's keep going, and I say okay, well we've done the eight sessions, okay. Do you want to do four or do you want to do eight? So I give them an option to do to take either four sessions or eight sessions, but I want the commitment, right? I want the commitment from them for at least four sessions. And then I go full bore in, but it's always objective. What are you struggling with currently? Okay, where where have you gotten so far on this? We unpack it. We get as far as we need to go on it. We either resolve the issue and then we move on. Or so as, we get so to- as far as you're concerned as a coach, there's nothing off limits. You're not there's a business coach or you'll, you'll deal with life trauma relationship i've i've dealt with people that have struggled with suicide sex addiction porn addiction and uh business coaching um even sales it doesn't matter because here it is i'm not teaching them how to sell okay i'm not teaching them about being married okay all we're doing all i'm doing is i'm going to take them through a series of of steps okay to help them understand how they got to where they're at right now. There's a reason why they're struggling with whatever it is that they're struggling with. And it is typically a belief system. There is a belief system that is preventing them from moving forward. So the idea is to try and understand what that belief system is and either reframe that belief system or just destroy it altogether because it's no longer serving me. But a lot of times it takes me to help guide them to that belief system. Right. Because for I've them. I've seen that in our work. Yeah. Okay. You've seen that in, in our work, right? So again, it, to, for me to, to I want to be very, very soft about saying, you know, this is the difference between therapy and coaching. I have very, you would have more experience about the difference. Between, and, and, right. You know, I was just wondering, I never asked you this question, so I didn't know the answer. I was just wondering if you felt like there are certain topics that are, um, hey, this is for a therapist. This is not for me. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. I got no, it. and as a matter of fact, I can't tell you how many of my clients have said, I got rid of my therapist and I'm going exclusively with you. Okay. Because I'm getting so much more benefit out of this. Does so, that so do you find that, that a lot? No. Meaning, do you that was do you find often that people who start working with you are in therapy and supplementing it, never tried therapy, or they they did therapy and it didn't work out, so now they're trying something else? All of the above. Okay, there's people that are have are in therapy, have a therapist, and are coaching with me. Okay, they have multiple pathways that they are currently, they, they want to get to a solution, right? And, you know, thank God, I do have, m- many of my clients are very affluent. So they're like, okay, I want a coach and I want a therapist and I want a shaman and I want, you know, like, I, you know, I want it all, right? right. And so th- there's something that's preventing me from really feeling fulfilled. I have a lot of money. I'm very successful. I've got a family. I've got kids. I should be happy. I'm not. Okay. Something's missing. Okay. And that's, and that's a, a lot. That's my specialty. Okay. I really, that's one of what's one of my specialties is, is like fulfillment, right? There's something you went wrong somewhere along the way and fulfillment came off the table. Right. And it just became about achievement and success.
and doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing based on the programming that has been established in my life. But what I am I am I the perfect solution for everyone? Absolutely not. Is there certain people that are going to do better in a therapeutic environment than with me? Absolutely. Okay, there's people that are going to do better in a therapeutic setting. Okay, there's people that are going to do better in a coaching setting. There's people that are going to do better in a counseling session. Okay, so there's different modalities. They all work. I know that my coaching style works. Has it worked for all my clients? No, I haven't had complete success with all my clients. Have I had, you know, good success with the majority of my clients? Absolutely. uh, Most, the majority of my clients are very happy with the results. And I know this because they either come back whenever they have something going on, or they just refer clients to me. Okay. And so that obviously tells me that the service and the coaching that I provide has value. Right. So, but under no, under no means do I, do I, would I say that, you know, therapy doesn't work and you should, you should choose coaching over therapy. You'll never hear me use the word should about anything. Right. I don't want to be sensitive because we don't have a therapist on. I want to be sensitive to that. And it's not like all coaches fit a bucket, bucket, all therapists, but let's, Let's speak more in terms of an example, right? So someone who, I often think how therapists have certain limitations. I'll give you an example. And I think it's a limitation that most therapists um, like can't really touch the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. right? Most therapists can't ask you the question. So what does it all mean? I don't know. What do you think it means? How can you find the meaning in this? I find with therapists typically is kind of like, I don't know if it's the training. I don't know if it's that license that they're protecting. I'm not quite sure what it is, but there's a box that they have to play in that unless given explicit permission, not that they have to, or they choose to play in, and unless given specific permission by the client to go there, then they'll go there where a coach has a little bit more leeway. You know, I, I often have conversations with Chase Taub, you know him, the uh, the recovery rabbi for some so the guy, the, the rabbi wrote uh, God of Understanding, and he, uh, he, he said this joke once about a, a guy who goes into a bar and uh, he orders a drink, gets it, and throws it in the bartender's face. So bartender's like, hey, you know, what the hell was that? Get out of the, the bar. Next day he shows up, and the bartender's like, if you're ordering a drink, like none of what happened last night. And he does the same thing, orders a drink, throws it in the guy's face. He's like, you're out. A few days later, he comes back to the bar and he says, you can't come in. He threw a drink in my face twice. Like, you're not welcome here. It's like, I promise I won't do it. I promise. I promise. I'm not like, I'm not going to do it. It's like, good. Orders a drink there for a little bit and throws in the bartender's face. So he kicks him out. A bunch of years later, the guy comes back to the bar. The bartender remembers him. And he's like, you're not allowed here. We've already gone through this. He's like, I'm good. I'm telling you, I went to therapy. Like, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. I'm good. I went to therapy. So on and on and on. Finally, lets him in. All right. Serves him a drink for a few minutes. The guy throws a drink in the bartender's face. He's like, what the hell? You told me you went to therapy. What was that? He's like, now I no longer feel guilty about it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And the the point of the story, right? The point point of the joke is just that a therapist is kind of boxed in to the solution that the client provides, right? I'm not here to tell you it's wrong to throw a drink in the face. 
I'm here to solve your problem, which always has two solutions. Either, right, because a problem is when it's a rock in a hard place, essentially, right? If, you, if you're watching a lot of porn and you have no problem that you're watching porn and no one else in your life does, then you're fine, right? So maybe the answer is for you to accept it and for to get everyone in your life to accept it or for you to accept that they're not accepting it, and then you're fine. Like, what's, what's the problem? That's one way out of a solution. Whereas like a moral claim, so to speak, of it is not okay to throw a drink in a bartender's face. Like that's not a, maybe it's an extreme example, but to make the point that a therapist often can't make moral claims, whereas a sponsor makes moral claims all the time. And I think a coach also can make moral claims. Like, dude, you like, you have no fulfillment in your life. You're living a life like, like you may make a ton of money, I'm but I'm certainly very cautious about, you know, that the, 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 the moral compass. Okay. And, and, well, you, and, I, and the, I think, okay, but go ahead. Yeah. I will cross. I will. Uh, this is how I cross the line. Okay. Okay. When, when someone is truly struggling with a concept, like in other words, like we can both see it. Okay. We could see the blockage. There's resistance. I catch them, you know, where I go, okay, so can we agree that, that we, can we agree that this is the blockage? Can you see, he's like, yeah, this feels, feels like it, you know? Right. Okay. And so as we try to either reframe it or heal it, you know, create a new story, right? I sense the, the resistance to let go. And, and on an occasion, probably more than one occasion, I would say, can I ask you a personal question? Sure. Can you tell me about your faith? Tell me a little bit about where your faith's at. Tell me a little bit about how you feel about the concept of God or you know, your faith. Because it feels like right now, even though we're looking at, we're looking at the same thing, and even though you trust me, there, trust, there, there's trust and faith that's missing in this process because you're holding back, you're resisting the, the, you're resisting the opportunity for change. So I'm curious where your faith, and then this is where we kind of start moving into that direction. Okay. I'm not afraid to go into it, but I also go into it cautiously. Right. But I'm not afraid to talk about spiritual. I'm not afraid to talk about any topic. I'm not tied to any specific structure or Hippocratic oath or lawsuits. Okay. If people come to me, it's one of two reasons. They heard my podcast and they liked me, or they were referred to me by another client. Really, that's basically it. They didn't find me in the yellow pages. There wasn't a Facebook ad that said, you know, this is, you know, world's master coach, Omar Pinto, right? Blah, blah, blah. No, it was like they heard me on a podcast. They heard me because I've I spent a year and a half doing live coaching where I would coach somebody on live, not knowing what their issue was. And able to create a breakthrough in the session. And then I would post those as podcast episodes. So people would listen to those and they say, I want Omar to coach me. So I had built rapport with many of my clients. Maybe we should do that now if someone is so bold. What, get on here to coach somebody? Yeah, not right, not at this moment. I'm saying during this conversation, if someone is bold enough to be exposed in that way and get coached, 
I'm okay with I'm it. Down. If you're okay, I'm okay you're with down. it. Okay. Yeah. So if, I did it for the, a year and a half. Right. You know, the offer is like, give, give me, give me what you got. All right. And I'm All not right. promising to stay quiet the whole time either. Just saying. Well, Ellie, you know, you coach all the time as well. You just don't charge for it. But you certainly, you've coached me a few uh, times. I, I do. <laughs> I just, uh, I get paid in the spiritual currency. You do. Okay. But here's, here's another thing too, as far as what I wanted to talk about, as far as the difference between, for me, therapy and coaching. For me, coaching is a body of work. It is a life lived Okay, it took, I was well into my 40s before I hung my shingle. So we're talking married, divorced, married. Okay, we're talking father. We're talking, you know, toxic relationships, recovering addict, recovering alcoholic, working through a recovery program. Okay, so founding some, finding some purpose and meaning through your own podcast and getting your voice heard and telling you yes there's all these different life experiences that i that i own okay i have faced challenges i face obstacles the where i where i launched my coaching platform was as an addiction recovery specialist so i was in that niche when i launched and again as i as i started working as a coach in that space other opportunities for coaching started to present themselves. And I just started to expand naturally. I started with a niche and then it just started to expand out naturally into different topics. And, and it, it, you know, it's been a few years, you know, I started in 2018, 2022. So 19, 2020, 20, so four years as a professional coach, right. With a body of life experience along with 12 years of practical coaching and mentoring through through sponsorship and 12 step. Okay. So for me, that's what many coaches look like. Many coaches look like I'm an expert here, right? And there's no reason why, as an expert in this field, right, I shouldn't help other people and I can, you know, charge for those services. And I didn't charge as much when I started as I do now. And as I got better and as I got more effective. And I kept growing, you know, I kept learning in the process. I started to get overloaded with, with work and clients. And so naturally, the natural progression just kind of happened. Right. Right. Kind of takes over. And so that's, that's, I mean, in a nutshell, so that, would, you, that would be your, your response to a therapist. A yes. therapist saying, hey, I, I got a degree for six to eight years. And, yep. you know, and as I understand therapy, there is, you know, you say someone is a therapist. That means that they're trained in a specific modality, right? Whatever that is. Obviously, there's you know certain degrees from university, but there is a modality that they're trained in, a therapeutic modality, and that's where they um, they have their degree in, right? A therapist doesn't mean necessarily a, it's not the same as a massage therapist or a, I don't know or other kind Again, of. Again, I right? mean, but, yeah, but think, specific... think about think about even as a, a as, as a massage therapist. Okay, a massage therapist was probably given massages before they got their certification. Somebody that already knew how to put their hands on other people, right? And alleviate stress and pain. And it was like, this feels like what I should be doing. You know, it's, right. a, tr- it's, it's a trade. And right, I would, I would, I would also consider coaching. I would also say that coaching, you know, there's, 
it's a trade, you know, it is, a, it is a, it is a certification and it's practical application that really brings out the coach. Okay. You need the practice and you know, what gave me the most, my license or gave what I, you know, when I gave myself the license is the recognition that I'd already been doing it for many, many years, right. For free. So I had all of my, I guess you could say my hours. Well, you also earned your stripes, right? Someone else went to school and worked their butt off for that degree for six years or eight years. And you worked your butt off through, you know, the hard knocks of life for 20 years or 30 years. And this is what you, what your expertise is in. I'm sure at the beginning it was drug addict, drug addict, drug addict, Mm -hmm. drug addict, Mm -hmm. Mm because that was where expertise formed. And suddenly you start getting success in coaching and business. And it's like, okay, I can, I've, I've navigated through some of, right, exactly. Yes. I I navigated through some of that stuff. I have had success in these different areas. So I'm going to expand my practice. Do you think that's a prerequisite for a coach that maybe is not the case with a therapist? And I know this for, I know therapists who are very good and very effective who don't necessarily um, live what they preach, but they're still good at what they do. Do you think for a coach, they got to live what they preach? For me, yes. For me, absolutely. Okay, so my, if you were to ask me, hey, oh, what's your marketing strategy? What's your marketing approach, right? It's social media. Oh, do you do paid ads, you know, and who does your media images? And I go, no, I post, I put photo, I post photos about my life. My wife and I, you know, when we got married, our anniversaries, you know, I, I, um, document the building of your house. I was about to say my house. Okay. In Costa Rica took eight months to build. And each week I would take a little video and little photos and post, you know, week four, you know, bloom. And I would post that and people would follow it and and people would watch. So what is the message that you're sending? What feeling do you want someone to get from that? Is it that, Oh, it's successful. He's got the house. I want that too. Or is there something, is there something more that you're trying to convey to, to the viewer of those pictures? What is that? Ex- is exactly what I am trying to convey. I, as a life coach, I have a successful life that I would consider. Right. I, I, I feel successful. Somebody asking here, why are you enough? Right. And saying, and it's like, what a great question. Why am I enough? Because I am. That's it. That's the answer. And it takes many, many years to be able to say that. Okay. Ask anyone. Okay. Ellie, do you feel like you're enough? Do I feel like I'm enough? Yeah. Today I feel like I'm enough. Okay. Have you always felt like you were enough? No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday I didn't. No, I'm kidding. Right. No, no, I definitely didn't. No, there were no it, is, it is most of us get derailed in our teens, probably even earlier than that. And nowhere do we even measure up, not only to our own standards, much less our own standards. You know, we're too busy trying to measure up to everyone else's standards to ever even consider that we have our own. Right? I, I think so you're right. I think so far removed from the idea of being enough because you're so busy being somebody else. 
at the but end I of the day, I think the only that, way to answer that question honestly, right? Why are you enough, right? When you say because I am, can you really answer that question without diving a little bit into the spiritual waters? And what I mean by that is, the reason I'm enough is because, right? If I if I go back, right, where that like that crisis was, obviously it happens on multiple occasions, but I am enough. It cannot be because of the house I live in, the money I make, the business I have, because you realize very quickly that all that could be taken away and can disappear. And anyone who's, um, remember, you know, a few years ago, I went through a very difficult period in business and uh, called my big brother. I'm like, I don't know what I have to do. Like, I'm freaking out. He's like, dude, you may not be cut out for business if you're freaking out. I said, why? He said, because that's the nature of business, the ups and the downs. So if you think it's only ups, that's just not the way business people make it. it. It's going through those ups and downs of business. He said, otherwise be an employee. And you know, hopefully every year you get your 3% increase. And maybe every once in a while you get a really nice bonus or you approve someone and maybe you can get a little equity and stuff like that. And you work your way up the ladder that way. But if you can't deal with a few months of losses, then you may not be cut out for business. But if you want that, the perks of business, where sometimes things are doing real well and you have that freedom, and you can start poking around in other things. And maybe you say, hey, I can stay up late and do a podcast and maybe show up a little late to the office and maybe take off whatever it is you want to do during the better months. That's cool. But understand that those other months come as well. And what I realized in that those moments was how much my identity was tied, how much the I am enough or I am, right? The identity was tied to the business success. And until I was able to piece that apart, and I thought I wasn't. I was like, no, I don't like to spend like other people. I don't need to show it in the same way or stuff like that. Like it wasn't, I didn't feel like I was quite as tied to the money as I thought other people were because for them it was very important to live in a certain way that I didn't feel as tied to. But then I was, hey, a couple of months of losses and I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. I didn't know what I was looking back at. And I think that the answer eventually is what spiritual answer is. My creator created me, and that's what makes me enough. And that's what makes the other person enough. It's just I am. I am because we're children of God. I don't know if that's a that, – that's why, like, that kind of question, like, I don't know that a therapist or a lot of therapists can say that without the client inviting them into that conversation, where I can say that to someone, you can say that to someone. Do you know what no, I mean? I, no, absolutely. And that's why, you know, why are you enough? Because I am. I answered the question. You kind of answered uh, no, the no, question. No, 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 no. But, but I need in, a framework. In other words, no, but then you gave the framework. Right. Okay. And you gave two frameworks. Okay. Go ahead. Number one was the framework of how to establish enough. And then I also love the beautiful story about your brother. Because if you guys were paying attention, Ellie was coached by his brother. In right. that moment, at that time, <laughs> okay, Ben coached Ellie. Correct. Okay. And in that moment, through that work, he started to feel enough. So there is, the framework is there in many cases, I am going to need a guide, my own little Sherpa, right? To guide me towards the concept of enough. Because most of the time it's anybody can be better. I can be better. Ellie can be better. I can do better. Ellie can do better. But where I am sitting right now, is that enough? 
And I can say with 100% certainty right now, yes, right now in my life, I am enough. I have enough. It's enough. Do I want more? Sure. Of course I do. It's part of human nature. If we didn't want more, then the, the world would cease to exist. We as human beings, we desire, we have a natural inclination, a yearning to accomplish and, and have more. Why, why is that built in? Because then we would just be satisfied, you know, sitting in the backyard growing lettuce and, you know, maybe a couple of pigs and, you know, because that's enough. You know, it's enough. I got a pig, you know, and some lettuce and a couple of right, So tomatoes. it's that, right. It's definitely that tension between I'm enough. But when he's asking that question, why am, I, why am I enough? I think he was referring to that part in the conversation where you're sitting with Fabian, right, the coach, and you're talking about the noise in your head. So at that point in time, you're not saying that 18-year-old Omar with no experience, no recovery, no anything else, who's like, do it all, have a podcast because I'm enough, I'll coach people because I'm enough. You're talking, hey, with all of my experience that I have, I'm ready to go, I'm here, I'm good. But it's because of this voice that I'm not enough that I can't break free. So at that moment, I let the voice go and then I do what I've earned the right to do, which is to share my gift and charge. The, the, and again, in... Not to be in jest, but also in, a little in jest. It's hard to even describe the work that we did that led to that moment. Right. Okay. Ask that question at any other time, and it wouldn't have landed the way it did. Okay. There was there was this this buildup of work, right? Just like you and I, Ellie. Okay years of work together and you get to a point where i know you're okay i know you're fine okay we show up we'd work and we'd shoot the shit you know and it's like ellie you're good yeah no, it feels good two weeks later you won't believe what happened <laughs> oh right and and so we'll go at it back and forth back and forth back and forth ask the question in different ways and then all of a sudden i'll ask it I, I might even ask the same question again, right? But because of the natural flow of the conversation, it landed differently. Right. And I've watched you where you go, I know what I got to do. Right. right. We've had caught, right. Yeah. We've oh, yeah. Calls. It's like, I know what I got to do. I got to go. It's just <laughs> right. like that, right? Yeah. And so for me, that's what coaching is. It's we are, go we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to battle this out. Until I hear, okay, uh, I know exactly what I got to do. I got to go. So my objective is clear. I want, I want Ellie free. I want my clients free. I want them to say, Omar, I got this. Ciao, later. Okay? And then they disappear for a while. Okay? And then they go, oh, I need a tune-up. Okay? Something came up. Something's happening. Okay? Which happens all the time. Okay? And then we do a one session. Right? And they're like, ugh. Thanks, Al. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. Months will go by, right? So I have my steady clientele. I have clients now that I have. I'm not, you know, now it's like I have longer standing clients where it's like, let's just keep working. This feels, I kind of like this, okay? 
And then I have other clients that just like, I need a tune up. Okay. And I'm like, okay, let's fit, let's fit you. But in. anyone new with you, you're always presenting, Hey, here's the eight session package. Eight sessions. My objective, my, my objective is always the same to get you through whatever you're coming to me for right now. Right. So if somebody's like, Hey, I'm looking for an accountability coach, you know, and you know, I want to make sure I get to the gym. Whoa, 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 whoa. You need to find somebody else. Cause I'm going to tear your head off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask you questions that are going to make you so uncomfortable and we're going to go deep into your childhood. So if you're looking for somebody to, to, every week to show up and, and, and ask you, Hey, so how's your meal plan going? I have no interest in that. Okay. I have no interest. I want, we're going to go deep. We're going to get somewhere. You're going to get the relief that you need. You're going to go off into your life. You're going to apply. You're going to take action. And then when, when you need another tune-up, you come back. And some of them are like, dude, I don't need a tune-up. We got to go all in again. Okay, let's do another eight sessions. Let's go. Right, right, understood. So someone comes to you and they're saying, hey, I got suicidal thoughts. I've attempted suicide, stuff like that. You're working with them? Absolutely. Not afraid of it? Not afraid of it. Not I even got an eating least. disorder, the mother, of all, uh, the mother of all addictions, eating disorders. Let's go. Let's go. It, right. it, it's, 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 a, it's irrelevant. Oh, there is one topic. Okay, I learned the hard way. Okay, so marriages. Okay, if two people, because I've had two people come to me that want coaching. They're in a marriage, okay? And they show up and it's like, yeah, we're working on the marriage. No. Because... Uh, uh -uh. What, what, what you, that's the, that's the guys. Okay. They're not working on the marriage. One's working on staying in the other one's working on getting out. Right. So two, you compete, have two competing objectives. And that I had to learn the hard way that I cannot work with, with couples that have competing objectives. If I've worked with couples, but it's all like, I'm working, like I was just telling you, like right. I was working with, but they're, happily married it's got nothing to do with the marriage she wants to work on her he wants to work on him let's go right right and therapists, very successful right, for a therapist I, I don't think they can touch that they can do counseling of the husband they can do counseling of the wife they can do counseling together but not the husband and the wife separately at the same time no because i i think that could for for a therapist but that's it's not because they can't be helpful. It's just because they got a board to answer to. I think at some point, you know, if I wanted to do couples therapy, I could, but it, it's, it's tough when it's. When, so you don't do that either. If a couple wants to. No, you know, I, 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 yeah, I, I avoid it. If a couple says, I want to, I, you know, I have, I have some stuff I want to work on and I have some stuff I want to work on. I go, okay, so you guys, this is not about the marriage. You guys have your own things that you want to work through, okay, your own life goals or objectives. Yes. And a lot of times the way it works is I'll start working with a husband or a wife. And before I know it, they're having such radical changes. And the spouse goes, I think I got to talk to your coach, you know? Oh, okay. The wife, right. You're, you're, you're like outgrowing me. Like, I, I'm not comfortable with, you know, you're all this, you're like, all the, where's all this confidence coming from? Huh. I don't know if I'm comfortable with all that confidence. <laughs> so, so what do you attribute that to, right? Because a lot of these people who are coming to you, 
have worked with many other people. They've been in therapy. They've been, what do you attribute your ability? And like you said, you're not perfect and we're not here to uh, uh, puff you up more than is necessary. Just what do you, but you obviously have confidence or success. I've seen it. I've referred a number of people to you. I've only gotten uh, positive feedback from it. So what, what, what do you attribute that success to? Just uh, practically, you see someone struggling, they've tried, they fail, they come to you and they make a change. What, what are you doing? What's your, what's your gift? The, the, the thing, I guess, without sounding too woo wooey, okay, mm-hmm. but it's impossible when I'm about to say what I'm about to say, right? And I remember at one point I told my wife, I don't know if I want to say that I'm a, a life coach. I'd like to say that I'm an intuitive healer. She goes, you are not going anywhere claiming to be an intuitive healer. Have you lost your mind? <laughs> Do you want to just get bounced? Are you just like looking to not make any money? <laughs> but for the longest time, Ellie, there I have this, I cannot, there's no, you know this about me. I have an intuitive way of like you and I have worked together and gone over things and never crossed, been able to make the breakthrough we needed to. And then all of a sudden the topic comes up again and it's in that moment. It's like, Oh, that was it. Or sometimes, sometimes when you're sending uh, notes to me, right. At the end of a session, if you do like the next day, I'll get uh-huh. your, I'll get your email, or your text. Uh-huh. Like, Here's Sasha. There'll be some thoughts in there that didn't come up necessarily in the conversation. Just like boom. Hey, what about they this? come about after? That? Yeah. Okay. So a lot of what and that's and, and let's just talk about you know how I do my coaching, right? So when I'm in the session, I'm taking notes. Okay, and then while we're in the in the in the session, right? As you're talking to me. my intuition starts kind of guiding me, right? It starts giving me questions or ideas or thoughts or a story or something, right? Things come up while my client is unpacking, right? And so I'll be writing and listening. And then I'll ask a question. And based on that question, we'll follow that thread, okay? That usually leads us to something, okay? I like to follow threads. Okay, something comes up, I ask a question, that question, whatever that answer is, might lead to another question, I'll follow that thread. And sometimes in the in 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 the session, we'll have a the the right breakthrough. Or when I'm going through my notes, something comes up that is like, hmm, I'm gonna add this in the notes. Let's just see. Let's see, let's see if it lands on them. And I can't just like what Ellie's had. My other clients have had the same experience with like, oh man, I saw the notes and the insight that you gave me on, on top of that, right? It gave me clarity on, on the topic. So the best way to say, the best way to describe it is that I don't follow, I do have resources that I use and I do have a protocol that I follow. But once I've followed my protocol and gotten what I needed from the material that I give my clients, it is completely intuitive. Right. I go into it. If you guys have ever watched Tony Robbins and this is not my guru, I am not your guru. And you watch him in interventions. 
Okay, it's very similar to that. I and this is why I, I could I spent a year and a half. Somebody shows up on a call, I coach them, right, and we're able to get somewhere. It's all intuition. It's all it's all intuitive. I can't explain it, you know, any more than I can explain, you know, my own breakthrough in that coaching session where it's like trying to understand right. that moment where I say I am enough. And it's like, okay, well, that sounds very cool. And it's very dramatic. And it sounds, you know, Omar's really delivering a great story, but I am enough. And what does enough mean? And, you know, how did that happen? It's impossible to really explain it. It happens in the session and I am 100% present. I am 100% focused and also I am 100% confident that one way or another, something's coming out of this session. Right. Something so there's a few things that I've noticed different working with you and I've worked with coaches, therapists and everything in between. And um, one, one thing I noticed is a, your enthusiasm and excitement from it. It's like, I'm in, right? Like, boom, all in hundred percent present, hundred percent there. And the other is that there's never like, we'll pick this up next week kind of stuff. There's like, no, we're here. We're having a conversation. There's something happening from this conversation. Like we're, we're not ending on this note. We're not like, okay, we'll stop right there. It's the top of the hour. There's like, no, we're going to get to this point. And there's like, there's an urgency to it. Even though it's a lot of listening, there's an urgency to, Hey, we're spending this time together. There's going to be uh, work. Some there's going to be work. Yeah. yeah. We're going to work. Okay. And we're pulling something out of this session. Okay. And so it's always minute to minute. Okay. There's no bullshit. It's, it's question, answer, you know, expand. Okay. Reframe. Okay. I might tell a story, you know, I'm, I'm great at telling stories. So a lot of times if I feel a story is appropriate, I'll tell a story. It becomes a metaphor, right? It'll either land for the client, which Nine times times out of 10, if a story comes to my mind and I tell it, it's just what they needed to hear. Right. And it also connects me to them. Right. Because that's it also, makes that's me more difference. real. Right. hundred percent. Yes. That was one of the big I differences. Share my, I share my personal experiences. I cry. Okay. Right. It's like, we're in this together. Right. There's, that was definitely something that, again, that I didn't experience with other, not coaches, not therapists is that, Hey, like, I'm I'm struggling. I got my stuff I'm working on. And then sometimes actually you take this. Like, hey, Ellie, what do you think about this? I'm going through, like, I'm dealing with this thing. Can I get your input on it? It's a much more of, right, I understand that idea. It's, we're coaching each other. Like, there could have that kind of quality. Then, like, okay, I'm the guru. You're not. Like, let me help you. Let me pretend I'm perfect. I remember talking to oh. someone. Um, and, again, I think that. Um, I'll talk about for a second, not, I'm, I'm not going to shit on therapists. I'll talk about um, when I do recommend to therapists, although I do, um, I, I have given a number of people your number. It's not 100% of the people who call. And there are times where I do refer to, to therapists so I can share my perspective on, on, on when and, and where. But um, I lost my train of thought there. Let me go to that. Let me go to when I, when I refer to uh to therapy, to when I refer to therapists. So oftentimes when I meet someone and I know they're like, okay, this guy is going to be comfortable more like the more, if, if they're not trusting, if they're not 
um, at a place where they can accept too much. I'm going to say woo woo, but just a coach or a coach. Like they, they need that. Like, what is the, what is the guy credentials? What did he study? What's his degree? What's his path, right? Something like that. Then I'll feel like, okay, who is, who is he going to trust? Who is he going to feel more comfortable with? Where's he going to get that? Then go to this specific, then go to a therapist. Obviously a therapist or coach, all of that's irrelevant to me. 100% irrelevant for the most part. Uh, it's who is the person? I know therapists who are good. I know coaches who are, uh, you know, vice versa. The quality of the person is much more important than the, you know, to say coach at the end or the, or, or, or therapist at the end. That being said, there are certain times where I know, let's say trauma, if someone has like very, very specific trauma, um, yes, I won't have to get into the alternative medicines conversation, but just strictly, let's say like EMDR has been a, a very powerful tool for me to work through trauma. I was like, okay, here's someone who does EMDR, so refer to them. And I think that's sometimes where the concept of therapists are, are lost in like what it actually means. And I'll give you an example with Mic Drop. When we started Mic Drop, which is kind of how, how we met. So I'll share a little story, uh, the, the background of my set of how we met. So I started Mic Drop. Uh, I wanted to bring attention and awareness to this idea, which I found is, hey, learn to tell your story. I was shy. I couldn't do this a couple of years ago. I was uncomfortable speaking in front of my own company, never mind a room full of strangers or a TED talk or something like this. And eventually I got over that fear and I saw how freeing that is, right? When you said like, hey, I just want to give my clients freedom. That's what we all want. We think the money is the path or this is the path. It's, it's some of that, but so much more. That doesn't always, it, it often works against you when you're not coming from a place of, I just want freedom. And for me, I was locked by my own in my case, there was something I wanted to do that I wasn't doing. It's not for everyone necessarily to get on a stage. It's not for everyone to announce with the world that they're a porn addict. But for me, that's something that was definitely rumbling inside me. And because of shyness or fears or insecurities or never having done it or whatever else, or not willing to go through those few you know, times doing something where you're not that good at it, not wanting to experience the inadequacy or doing something in an inadequate way, especially publicly, I avoided it. And then I was like, boom, I do it. And it's like, whoa, holy shit. Like what changed just from being able to get up in front of a room and speak? It's like, man, I'm free. And I wanted to share this with freaking world. And I start mic drop, start with Rosh and we're sharing it in companies and people are telling the stories, everything else. Eventually in order to get the word out, um, I hired Daniel Geffen who gets you on podcasts. It's like, boom, I get this package. He gets me like 20 something podcasts, whatever. Some were good. Some were not. I think the only thing I have from it is like, like looking back at all the podcasts I did, I don't know if I met anyone or didn't or clear business, but we met each other from the podcast. And during it, I'm talking about mic drop and you're like, yeah, whoa, cool, cool, cool. I'm like, okay, I've, you know, this guy's like for the podcast, he's showing excitement in what I'm doing, you know, we're, we're being recorded. And then at the end, you know, he's like, of course, like, so tell me about this thing. And I'm like, well, you actually liked it? Like, oh, you're yeah. actually interested? It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I want to do something like this. I'm, you know, it's like, well, let me introduce you to Raj. You do, you hit it off. You come down to Miami, you do the talk. And then we started talking, uh, just chatting about, like, you know, as friends or stuff we can do together. And then it's like, hey, Ellie, what's up? You know, what's going on? And I just started sharing about my day. And then, mm -hmm. boom, it's like something sh shifted. Like, just coaching. Like, we're having a conversation there, about a who shift. knows what. It's like, coming to Miami, you're going to do this event. It's like, boom. Shift. It's like after three or four of those conversations, I'm like, Omar, I think I should hire you or something. <laughs> <laughs> this, has been, this has been good. 
so and right from there the the conversation um continued but back so with mic drop when we're doing these talks and everything else and it started we started doing some public events we started getting some criticism from people like hey what if these people are fragile what if the person falls apart you guys aren't therapists and everything else i'm like oh and like what like therapists like what does it mean to be a therapist. A therapist means they've been trained in that modality. I'm not telling anyone I'm doing EMDR with them. I'm not telling them I'm giving them a chiropractic adjustment. I'm telling them that I'm listening to their story. Like that's a human thing to do. We, we not listen to stories before we had a university which can give us a degree. And then I'm thinking the 12 steps, you have people sitting down. You know, it's, it's a bunch of wounded healers in 12 steps. There's no therapist guiding the room. And there's people coming who are suicidal who've attempted suicide who are struggling with everything under the sun and i'm from that setting i'm not saying we're healing anybody i'm not talking about the coach aspect yet but to be able to sit and talk to another human being and hear them out or even invite them to tell a little bit of their story i'm not talking about the public side yet because that doesn't happen in the first conversation with someone you work through that discomfort one-on-one -on -one before you get to the stage that we can do as humans and I saw also like some people's hangups around, around that. We had one therapist write a letter that was publicized in the Jewish community about, you know, how dangerous it is, what we're doing and everything else. I'm like, guys, you should, you should like, go Teaching to Teaching people how to speak? Yeah, sharing the stories and vulnerabilities. And what if someone has a breakdown or I'm like, come on, man. Like this is, these people, we're humans. With, they're not familiar with 12 steps. I know, like bring, <laughs> like, you know what goes on in these places? Right. There's no therapist there. People are coming in desperate, 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 desperate. And they're sitting down next to us and they're sharing their stories. And not only do we know what to do with it somehow, some way, you know, the, the room yeah. kind of teaches you, you become mm -hmm. messed up and you got to hang out for a while and you're like, okay, I'll do what I was shown. And then more and more people kind of do this and you just seem to know how to deal with this. And you know that it's working because A, you see people changing. Yeah. And B, and B, they keep coming back. Yes. <laughs> right? There's like, hey, they're not like, oh, shit, this guy said his story and now he jumped off a building. That's more and more people are coming back. And they're, you see and they're changing. You're seeing their life get, get better. But I saw the resistance. That being said, if there's a specific modality that I think someone can benefit from, I do recommend to a therapist. If I feel there's a specific connection that someone may have with someone else, right? Maybe... I'm thinking I was speaking to someone that's not they're small, but yeah, you know, I'm always looking for where's that trust that I can develop with someone. Where's that trust? So I'm realizing in speaking to someone, they're maybe much more religious than I am. And they're questioning everything I'm saying, like, but how do you know? And who said, and who said it works and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, this guy needs a religious therapist. Like I, I have to put him because everything I put in front of him, it's either question with Judaism or question with credentials. So let me establish that um, with him. But by and large, like from my perspective, as someone who's been in therapy, who's been in coaching, I don't care what someone's credentials are. It's irrelevant to me. Obviously, there's times with psychiatric medicines are needed and that you need someone who prescribes. But mm -hmm. half the time that's done anyway with the referral of a, of, of a therapist that's or a someone else. Yeah, that's, a, that's a psychiatrist. That's not even, exactly. that's, not that's even therapy. But outside of that, like, I want to know who the person is. Who are they? And are they going to be able to develop the trust and the rapport? And yeah, the specific experiences often helps, although it's not 100% necessary. If an addict to an addict, we can always talk. We understand what's up, right? A porn addict to a drug addict, we, we understand what's up. Our mind works the same way. We just get 
or the, the addiction is to something else, the drug of choice is something else. But when someone's new sometimes and they're looking for ways out, it's like, okay, put the drug addict with the drug addict, put the porn addict with the porn addict. There are certain stuff, obviously, like certain ways we, we lie to ourselves and things like that. And like I've said before, eating disorders, I think, are the mother of all addictions. When you have some of those, yeah, it's helpful to know someone who knows like the specifics, like exactly what you do with the food and what you mean when you say, I was like, oh, I've done that. I've done that. You can binge on cauliflower. I know that. Don't, you can't fool me. You can fill, fool the porn addicts. You can't fool me. I know. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, <laughs> those kind of specific ideas sometimes helpful. By and large, it's the person. It's, it's the person. And that's, I, I know some, some of the answer to that question, am I going to, that's where, that's my perspective, having worked with therapists and referring people to, to therapists and to coaches and others all the time. It's the person at the end of the day. At the end of the day, it's exactly what it is, right? It's, tr and the, the word that you used already, which is trust, right? Because there is, you know, can I trust this person? Well, Ellie and I have worked together long enough, right? And so there is that, that trust that's already been established. From there, you know, refer a couple of people. How did it work out? Well, it seemed to work out well. Looks like it can trust a little bit further. Really, that's how it works. You know, the, the whole idea of trying to decide what pathway to go to, which is another thing too, one of the reasons why I left the 12-step modality is because it became rigid and limited. It, it was personal development and growth was not encouraged further than the 12 steps and sponsorship, okay? So I found that they were trying to keep the members in a box, right? Preventing them from growing, which also reminded me of my upbringing, okay? So Jehovah's I was, Witness. Yeah, I was you know, brought up as a Jehovah's Witness, but I was also from my parents put in a box, okay? Which is, no, you do things this way, okay? You don't do things this way, you do things that way. You don't think this way, you think that way. You don't say this, you say that. And so this is the way, okay? Why, dad? Because I say so. Okay, why, mom? Because the Bible says so. Whatever. I was always like there was. But, a, but a to be reason. to be fair, twelve steps is not twelve steps is not intending to be dogmatic. It may happen in certain groups, but it's it, 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 intention again. And this is my personal experience, right? Right. Regardless of the intention, it becomes dogmatic because the encouragement to go outside, and it's even in in the traditions, right? We do not um encourage or we do not discuss outside issues okay and basically everything is an outside issue is outside of the 12 steps so if if someone wants to discuss or share something that they learned in, right if you want to talk about nlp and how it's benefited you oh yeah right. get, hey take that take that down the road buddy okay nobody's interested in that in here right and so at I remember when it felt abrasive because I was growing and I wanted to share it, right? And I got shut down and I was like, oh, okay. Guess I'm going to take my toys and leave. <laughs> <laughs> right? and at first there was, there was a resentment towards it, but now it's the, the resentment, it's gone. And it's just about recognizing when something has served its purpose and it's no longer serving you. And is it okay to say, hey, this is no longer serving me. I'm going to move on. And if I were to say, hey, Ellie, you know, now that you've served your purpose, you know, in 12 steps, is it okay to move on? 
how would you respond to that? I, I would say my own, um, my own approach. I certainly don't go as often as I once did. I don't depend on it in the same way, but I have a tremendous appreciation for how much it's helped me. I'm still very connected. I still sponsor. I still speak to a sponsor. I'm, I, th I think the 12 steps is for everyone. I think everyone will benefit from it. I think it's amazing, but I understand how I, I've seen that. I censor myself in some ways in the rooms. I see that there are certain things that just, I, I know, I know what happens if I start talking about ways, certain even if things. it's ways that I improve, it's like not here. Right. I understand not that. I also think it's yes. good. I think so too, but. If they didn't have that rule, you'd have an ad for everything. It's hundred percent, hundred percent. So I understand it, but I you're actually right. You're, you're 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 right, but I made the choice to leave. Okay, because I was like, okay, this is a, I've reached a certain point where I've gotten what I needed from here, and it for some people it's like, oh, well, that's selfish. Okay, so now you got what you needed, and now you're bailing, buddy. I spent fifteen years, okay, in twelve steps, and I sponsored for over twelve. So like. I feel like I have given back what was freely right. given to me and it's no longer benefiting me. I don't enjoy, I don't get what I used to get out of it. And so my time could be spent elsewhere growing in other areas, which, which, which is what I do. You know, for me, it's constant growth. Right. And I encourage, I also encourage my clients to do the same. It's like, you have to keep growing. If you don't grow, you die. If a business doesn't grow, it dies. If a marriage doesn't grow, you know, divorce is imminent. You know, it has to grow. It has to evolve. You have to grow. You have to evolve. Okay. And that's one of the things that I emphasize do you, as a coach. Do you ever encourage, would you encourage someone to go to the 12 steps? You at the point that you're like, hey. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I do it all the time. Got it. I you do it all the like time. It's right, I, it, it saved my life. It, let's right. not let's not mince words. It saved my you. life. Okay. It gave me structure. It gave me a format. It gave me hope. It gave me a community. It gave me connection. Right. It gave me a way to battle my addiction and change my life. Right. No questions about it. And so when when people, if if someone comes to me in the early stages of addiction, I do not. I, I actually was like, listen, coaching probably is not the first step for you. Okay. The first step for you is probably going to be you, you need a little more handholding. You need a, like a daily accountability to help you with this 12 steps is the, the best. I, I would suggest it. If you want to work with me, I would say that to work with me, one of my requirements would be you need to be going to meetings every single day because you're going to need, it's not going to be enough to meet with me once. Right, you want someone sober. You don't want someone calling you once a week. Right. right. And most of the control. time that the guys that come to me, it's like, you know, I didn't connect with, with the 12 steps, but I'm not in dire straits. I don't need to go to detox. I'm not strung out. Right. I'm not currently right. I want to stay sober. I'm not, I'm not getting what I need out of the 12 steps. And I know that you've worked with people outside of the rooms, right? Tell me about your coaching. And so I go, okay, great. Now, now we're in a different realm. Right. I guess I can see what happens is, and it's not unique to 12 steps. It's kind of everywhere, right? I call my conversation in search of more for a reason, right? Because it's that 
kind of perpetual state of searching. I don't know what was who said, if you think you found your way, you're lost. Right? So oftentimes what happens is that we get something and we're okay. I found the solution. Here's the panacea. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you about it. And it doesn't matter what it is, right? Whether it's a religion or whether it's a, a modality or mm -hmm. whether it's uh, the 12 steps or like, this is it. This is the one. And now, you know, when people talk to me about porn addiction and it's like, hey, what are the steps I got to take? get free from porn addiction or sex addiction, which is often where a lot of conversations start with me. Number one, number one, is you gotta be willing to do whatever it takes to get sober. Now that's the framework. Now, once you have that attitude, I can tell you what I did that worked for me, mm -hmm. but if it didn't, I wouldn't have stopped because I was committed to being sober. So if you don't have the commitment and you follow the three or four things that I did, I don't think it'll work because you probably need something else. You may need, you know, I have a, a someone I've worked closely with in recovery who joined a second program. So now he's getting sponsored in a second sister program and he's doing some sort of dance therapy or somatic healing, or I don't know what, and he's raving about how it's helping him. I guess amazing because we all need different things and trying to follow someone's path is often hard the number one most important ingredient is whatever it takes. And 12 steps did save my life, but it definitely didn't end there for me. And I don't think anything will end there for me. Like I said, if you no, found it's, the way, it's, it's you're lost. Consist it's consistent growth is one of the keys to fulfillment. Consistent growth is the key to fulfillment. Is one of the keys to fulfillment. Correct. Right? right? Because once you stop growing, you will immediately start feeling stuck something's missing, something's missing, something's missing, right? Hamster wheel is a hamster wheel. Whether I'm making five figures a year or making eight figures a year, a hamster wheel is a hamster wheel. So just because a proven model works doesn't mean that long-term it's going to fulfill me. I'm constantly, humans need to be challenged, period, end of story. They need to be challenged. They need to grow or they get bored and if they get bored they get into trouble yes <laughs> boredom is dangerous and it's i got often... some love for i got some love from steve over here steve Fishman, yeah so thank you steve love working with you brother now uh, so uh, i had a question and uh steve made just... me lose oh sorry my turn it's okay it'll come back oh, another it's thing another, another back. thing that i do too that's different from a therapist is I have no problems putting my hands on my clients. Okay. You know, this, right. And sometimes what people need more than anything is a hug. Okay. They need, and not just like, Hey, you know, it's going to be okay, buddy. Right. right? You give good hugs. You're like, <laughs> I, you need somebody that's going to pull you in. Right. And I'm, I'm strong enough to pull somebody in. Ellie's a big dude. <laughs> right. And the first time I hugged Ellie, Ellie was, oh. right. And so that has evolved, right? Like, like just a, a big like hug. And then they're like, I can feel that resistance. Right. And sometimes I'll just whisper in their ear. I'll just go, let go, man. Let go. Right. And then I can just feel that I feel their shoulders just do this. Right. And in many cases, it's just like tears. Okay. I can't tell you how many times an adult man or female has wept in my arms 
Okay, and that's something that is n nowhere in 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 therapy is that even remotely encouraged. There's so many boundaries and and lines that get crossed there. So there has to be that that rapport, that trust that's so strong, it's so ironclad. Okay, that it doesn't cross anything further. They read me. They know when I'm hugging them. They know why I'm hugging them. Right, and a lot of it is. You know, when my clients, especially when, when clients have a money block, right? For me, a lot of that block is just the inability to receive. Okay. So we can go all the way back in time because they did not receive the love. They did not receive validation. They didn't, uh, they were not seen. Okay. And so they don't know how to receive. They only know how to give. Okay, there is that. But oh, what do you mean by that? Let's let's explore this. Okay, so so yeah. so the way I unpack this is this: when we are children, okay, little babies, right? What we need the most from our parents is attachment and authenticity. Okay, we need to feel connected, and we need to feel like we can be ourselves. Right. Okay. The minute somebody, one of our parents, says, "You're being too loud," okay, you're being too this, okay, you're eating too much. Okay, you're getting too fat. Okay, then all of a sudden, it doesn't become safe to be myself, it doesn't become safe to be authentic. So now I feel detached from my parental unit in that moment. And I most I'm more than anything, the more detached I feel, the more my desire to be reattached to them becomes greater. So then as children, it's like, oh, well, if I'm fat, my mom's not going to love me. So I have to be thin, right? And if I'm loud, I have to be quiet. So I become inauthentic. So what does that mean? I start to become someone else and I start doing things. I start doing things that maybe I'm not inclined to do, but I'm hoping that it is going to attach me, connect me again with the one person or the two people I want the most amount of approval from. So I become a giver. I become a doer, okay, incapable of receiving because what I receive is you're to this, you're to that, you're sh shame, you're, you know, this is what you receive. And so there's a block. It don't, it you're saying later on in life, you, you had mentioned a, a money block as an example. Right, right, right. Saying, I'm getting there. I'm getting yeah. there. Right. So as soon as I get to a place where receiving energy becomes dangerous, then I generalize. So receiving is dangerous. What do they want from me? If they give me something, what do they want in return? So it becomes unsafe to receive. There becomes, there's a trauma in there because what I am receiving, I don't want. So I block it either energetically or I detach or I dissociate, okay, from my parents and then from others. And so when someone's having a problem, they say, God, you know, I reach a certain point, I make so much money, and then I self-sabotage, or, you know, I can't break the ceiling, or, I, or, or I'm having a tough time making this decision, or, da, 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 or whatever the case may be. And I say, okay. And if I'm in, if I'm in them with person, if I'm in person with them, if I'm there with person, I say, stand up. And they stand up, you know, that, that kind of odd look on their face. And then I just grab them. Right. And I hug them <coughs> and I'll immediately, they'll want to pull back. 
Okay. And I, and then I pull them back in. Right. And I say, receive, just allow yourself to feel what I am trying to give you. Okay. I am trying to give you some love. Will you allow yourself to receive it? Will you allow yourself to receive my love, my affection, my time, my, this, this, this moment, right? Let go. So usually I'll change my tone, kind of put them in a little bit of a trance. Okay. I'll just let go. And then their shoulders just drop. Their shoulders will drop. And most of the time they'll start crying because they've been holding on. They've been resisting for so long. They have no idea that they have just completely blocked themselves from receiving. So they, they don't receive love. They don't need receive praise. They don't receive acknowledgement and they don't receive money. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you're saying even someone who's made money, but there's still a ceiling. Yes. And there's sabotage. Right. Right. Cause they'll get to a point where they'll make X amount of money. Okay. And that for whatever story, reason has become comfortable. Yeah. That was my story. That was my story. It was like, I reach a certain ceiling somewhere along the lines, either I would sabotage it or a sabotage would present itself, but I would be calling it in. I would be calling it in. Ultimately it's an energetic block that's preventing them from receiving. And I can tell all that with just a hug. Yeah. It's it again, we're back to that topic of it's, it's never enough. Why? Because what you're searching for is not enough. It's not even feeling enough, right? I'm looking for so many different things. But at the end of the day, most of us just want peace. We just want at the end of the day to have accomplished the things we've accomplished in our day and to be able to appreciate, even relish in our hard work, in the things that we've accomplished, in our families. Some people, there's like, Omar, I don't know how. I just can't connect with my kids. I see them. They're beautiful. I love them. They're these amazing, beautiful little creatures. Something is preventing me, right? And there is like, am I a good enough father? Am I spending right. enough time with them? Do I, am I, do I, do they know that I love them? Am I loving them enough? Am I spending too much time at work? This is just this running dialogue. The noise is that block preventing me from grabbing my kids and telling them how much I love them because there's something in there. Let me tell you what it is. It's toxic shame. Okay? I don't feel like I'm a good enough dad. I don't feel like I've done enough. And the closer I get to them, you know, the shame becomes- the more they get reminded. Right. <laughs> Right. That's, that's, that's the work, Ellie. That's the work. That's, that's, and what, that's why when, that. that's why when somebody comes to me and they said, I have a block and energy, I know not even a block. They don't say that. I can only make this much money. I keep self-sabotaging myself or I'm not fulfilled or I'm not happy. Right. I'm going to take you there. I want to know where the toxic shame is. Yeah? And if I can get my hands on you, right. Right. I'm going to give you some Omar medicine. Right. Cause I love everybody. If someone asks you, Omar, where do you get the nerve charging more than a therapist? And I say more because you're very reasonably Am priced. I really charging more no, than no, a therapist? No, I was going to say that. Because there's some therapists that charge. No, no, there are. I'd like to charge. 
<laughs> well, there's some therapists who charge less, but let me say it. Um, let me qualify. Let me let me explain what I mean by that. Because when you break it down like per hour and what you do and the way you work and the notes and how you're not nickel and diming someone who's like, okay, it's top of the hour, we're done, kind of thing, you're not, you're, you're not, you're very reasonably priced. Mike, it's more like someone walks into a therapist, guy's like, okay, I'll see you in my office next week. No problem. Omar's like, you want to work with me? Sign up to eight sessions. Yeah. That, that nerve. Where do you get the nerve? Like to say like, where does that, no nerve, the confidence, like where does... Where does that come from? Like, okay. It came from doing the work. It did, I didn't charge in packages when I first started. I started a hundred bucks a session one-offs. Okay. And just hoping that no one would hire me. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I started. It's but you really started it's free before that. Uh, yeah, but that was easy. Right. That's easy. I'm like, hey, can I coach you for free? Great, let's do it, right? I'm gonna charge you 100 bucks. Oh my, what if I break them? Okay, it's it's I'm, you know the imposter syndrome is there for all of us, right? After I started practicing, the first you know the, the first few times you collect money, you provide value. Things start to change real fast. Okay, your sense of you're like, maybe I can do this. Maybe I, you know, maybe this does have potential. Maybe I'll right. be a good life coach. I mean, it just, it's just that simple. I don't think there was any doctor that did his first surgery that was like, I got this. Oh, yeah. Open heart surgery. Just seeing it, doing it, people changing and saying, hey. It's, it's, you want to when work you with start me, anything, it's, it's every detail. It's very cautious. It's like, everything is like, I'm, I've got myself under a microscope. And then it's, and then after you start seeing results and your clients are like, you know, the first time you hear, you know, and it was early, very early on where I, one of my clients had said like, dude, I got rid of my therapist. I'm just working with you. Boom. My confidence just like doubled. I was like, what really? Holy cow. Like I didn't say that while I was on the call, but in my head, I was like, did that really just happen? Is he just saying that? Maybe he's just saying that. Maybe he's just trying to make you feel better. It's just, I'm a human being, Ellie. I'm a human being just like anybody else, you know, doubting myself, imposter syndrome. But after a while, after hundreds of coaching hours, hundreds, okay, and hundreds of clients, okay, you get to a certain point where you're like, um, yeah, I'm really fucking good at what I do. Like some people are like, damn, oh, you're really good. Yes, I am. I am really good. Right. And I can own that. Why? Because I have the practical experience. I have, I have, I have the practical experience and I have the knowledge base period. And I have wisdom. Okay. And I have life experience and I have a strong <laughs> intuitive healing power, whatever you, however you want to say it. But at some point it's undeniable. Right. My just success, accept what is not except what is. Not, I'm just calling the color yellow, yellow. And so at that point you go, it's time to raise your prices. It's as simple as that, right? right. People are I'm coming, already itch- not coming. I'm already itching to increase again, right? <laughs> the person that keeps me grounded is staring right at me. If <laughs> <laughs> he does it, oh, easy does it. You're good. Just ride this out for a while, right? It's good. And you know, and, then, and for all intents and purposes. Listen, to, to me, prices raise themselves, right? When you're on the phone with a client and you're like, I, I, I cannot take one more. It's like, I got too many hours, too many demands. Like 
I cannot handle one more client. And you're like, okay, so it's time. Like by then it's time to raise. Like sometimes I see people and they're like, oh, I think I should charge $500 an hour and I'll make this package a $10,000 package. And it's like, okay, are you maxed out? Do you feel like you're working too many hours? Because if not, maybe you should start it free and then start it, you know, <laughs> work, work, work your way up. And then once it's full and it's like, okay, I, I, you're on the phone with a client and you're pitching him, but you hope he says no. Because it's like, it's not even worth my, like, it's just too much. I'm going to stretch too thin. That's when you know, it's like, hey, increase the prices. So maybe he says no, but if he says yes, you're like, hey, this guy's on board. Like, this, like it's like, hey, that's pretty cool. Like, I'm at, now, not that the money changes, but it's like, okay, I'll do it for that price. Yeah, sure. This guy just and, made and, me see that I'm worth uh, more. So that's why I think, I think and, prices raise and themselves. And there's also time, Ellie, period. There's no substitute for time, Okay. Like I could be really, really good, right? But there's a difference between, you know, somebody who's got five years as a coach versus somebody who's got 10 years as a coach versus somebody who's got 20 years, okay? What's that it book on? Is There's a book on mastery. I think it's called, it's by Malcolm Gladwell and it's called Outliers. Mm -hmm. And he talks about 10,000 hours to master. 10,000 hours to, to, right. to, to master, yeah, right? What's this? Who's the, Macklemore has a song, uh, 10,000 hours, about like 10,000 so, hours of rapping to get good like him. And I 100% agree. Uh, you know, the more I coach, the more, you know, I'm more confident this year than I was last year. Right. Okay. Go ahead. Question in terms of breakthroughs, right? You said that Fabian helped you and you wanted to give that to others. Um, why aren't you creating coaches? If that's where that could, meaning what he, what he enabled you to do was well, not I, I, I already built a coaching program and I've already coached my first six people, but it's a kind of a pilot. So I haven't oh, really so you are. Okay. Good. I'm already, I'm doing it. Oh, I'm doing oh, okay. it. I want, I want to, I want, I'm teaching the Omar Pinto coaching method. Got you. So it's essentially, right. Cause that, that, that was my question, right? Because if you're sitting with Fabian and he gave you something, you're like, I want to share this with the world. So wouldn't sharing it with the world, like, like, Hey dude, you can be a coach. Like we, that's the coolest part to me. That's the coolest part. It of, is. Cause you, you see that in recovery. The coolest thing with the sponsor with the sponsee is that he's like, do you think I can sponsor someone? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could. And that's when you know it's like, dude, this like that's when you know it shifted. Cause at first there's that even when you see yourself start healing, it's like, yeah, I'm getting better. But it's like, no, 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 we can heal. And then you have an army of healers. Right now you got like a whoosh. And that was the the beauty of the 12 steps. It's just like, hey, I'm gonna help you. It's like, how can I pay you back? I'll tell you how. The next person and on and on and let them know when you help them that they got to pay it forward too and like in that way i mean that's how you're here that's how i'm here right if we're not sober we're not we're not talking we're not talking about this we're meeting we're, somewhere else yeah <laughs> and probably not because we had different addictions right that's true. <laughs> hey. but I, no but here's the thing you're absolutely right that was the natural progression right so i have so that's where you're going with it now I'm going with it now, right? I okay, want, so great. So, you know, I'm only one person. No, I know. But okay, so actually this gets to the money question. So obviously, um, not everyone you meet do you think is like coach material. Or, mm -hmm. you know, there, there are great coaches or those. What makes a great coach? What makes a great therapist? What makes a great healer? What's, I'm not, 
asking that question specifically therapist versus coaches if oh therapist by definition is bad no a therapist can have also personal life experience and all of these other things that a, mm-hmm. a coach can have plus a degree and plus specific training and a specific modality that can be exactly what that person needs so what what are those ingredients when you're, you said you're working with six people have you identified yet what makes the person what makes good i'm going to use the broader term healers well, for coaches. example, like in the group, the, the first pilot group, one of them is already off to the races. And I knew he would be. Okay. Why? He's, he's older. He's more seasoned. He, I coached him already. He's actually one of my clients that I already coached, right? So he already had me walk him through the process just like Fabian did. So right. a lot of what I was teaching him, he'd already... He'd already seen experience, this. right? Right. He has the he has the confidence, right? There's there's certainly the confidence there to a certain degree, right? Like this is what I want to do. But there is there there is this at least for in the co- Omar Pinto coaching method, right? There there has to be that intuitive nature, right? There has, they have to, when I watch them in the sessions is I watch them coach each other, right? There just is, a, you watch them, they just intuitively know. And even when they get stuck, they'll find the question. Okay. And I, I will tell them too, if there's, if there, if you need to take a pause, if you lose your place, just sit. You're not, this is not an actual coaching session. Let it come to you. And a lot of times once the pressure's off and they get stuck. I'll watch them re-engage and get their thought in order. So there's, there's first, there is this desire to help others, okay? Number one is you have to love people. You have to want to help others. And, to, and, and if you've been in any kind of a service industry, whether it's a 12-step or you know, you were in the service industry as a waiter, uh, as, you know, hospitality in any way, shape or form. If you have worked with people, chances are you have that gift. Okay. You want to care for people. You want to help people, watch them grow. Right. So you have to have this kind of, not kind of, you have to have an innate desire to serve others. That's the most, for me, that's the most important. Okay, because it's hard work. It is, it is hard work. Right. It's, it's gotta be tough. Hour after hour. Hour after hour. Especially, you gotta be energized by it. Yeah. You, you know, and back and forth, you know, this, you know, this question. Oh, I don't know. Okay, well, then how about this question? You know, and you have to kind of like allow yourself to flow. So you have to have an earnest desire to serve others. Right. Because right, for and, you, this could be your fourth call of the day, but for someone else, they could have been looking forward to this call for a week. So mm. you gotta be here it, you gotta be this is my sixth call a day so right. i'm already like i don't even know how i last well we're not hours. coaching right i'm saying this is different. no 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 but you it, can it, zone out if you want to yeah actually this no i can't zone out regardless okay when i'm on i'm on right? right but and and a belief in yourself okay you have to believe in yourself right and if you don't Guess what happens, right? As when the you're going pick through, up on it, yeah. The, well, yeah. A the clients pick, but I'm talking about specifically when I'm coaching people, right? To coach, right? 
they'll they'll know in themselves i've already had a few that's like i'm not ready to do this (laughs) (laughs) right they say it they go i'm just not ready to do this yet right and what happens is they i end up coaching them right while i'm teaching them okay so i'll use them as an example as we're going through the modalities i'll say okay who wants to be the test subject Okay, I guess it's me. All right, boom. <laughs> and then I coach them, right? All right. And so they watched me do it. And I watched one of them, James. I'll just use his name, James. James picked up on it. He'd watch me do it. And then he would model me. He understood what you were doing. He, I was watch, he'd watch me and then he would fucking he could mimic me, right? It was like, <laughs> I, can, I go, he's got it. He's got it. <laughs> so it's not going to be, how many people take a course and they actually follow through on the course or actually do it. How many people get a degree in something and they right, actually and step by step. It's more go, right. go into that degree. It's like the practical, the healing that they got through the coaching process was worth the weight in gold. They, they got their money's worth just through the coaching they did. But some of them became very, very clear. It's like, wow, this is not as easy as it looks like this is it's not even as easy as it looks. It's like, this is really, really difficult. It's right. challenging. It's terrifying, right? Watching me do it and then me, you know, like they'll get stuck and then I'll take over, right? I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Like, oh, I think I'm as far as I can go. Okay, let me, all right? If it was me, here's where I would continue. And they're like, oh, darn it. Yes, that's right. So you'll, in 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 my coaching two things will happen when I'm teaching someone how to coach. They'll either get coached and realize, Ooh, this is not for me, but I, but I got what I needed out of this. Or like I watched James just like, boom, he already hung out his shingle. He's already coaching people. Right. I've got two clients of mine that they came to me for one thing and halfway through it, I said, dude, you're a coach. Oh, I go, you're a coach. And they're like, you're a coach. And they're like, yeah, I go, you're a coach. <laughs> right. And I, and we, then we shifted and both of them are now charging. Got you. So just to um, bullet point that a desire to help people. One. A, des- a desire to help people. And you just, it, it, it ha- you have to have, you have to have an innate coaching quality. Like I said, I had like six of them. There's one in there that is, is a coach. Okay. Right. Some of them, the others have potential to be coaches, but they haven't pulled the trigger, right? I watched James from the beginning and I watched his progression. He was moving, he was picking it up fast, okay? I saw it. Like, again, this is my first stab at teaching people, right? And I got a chance to see firsthand, you know, it's it's challenging, right? It is, it is, it is tough to coach right, But after how those to coach. things, like a, a desire to help people, liking people, right? That's... That I deserve loving people, enjoying working with people, you know, wanting to help, wanting to serve, right? Then it's specific you have to have skills. An, you have to have an innate coaching quality. You just have to have it in you. I've, when you use I, I a term, like they coached each other, what do you mean by that? Like what's... I, what would, I, would, I would be like the, the, I'm the coach watching. No, I know, say, but what does that I, mean? I would say, okay, say, James. I was coaching them. What does that mean? What did you... Like, to coaching. I mean, what is if someone that has no idea what it is? What, say he oh, what coached is coaching? Her. He coached her. What do you mean he coached her? What did he do? 
earlier in the conversation, you said, oh, right there. You're going to ask me, you. you're going to ask me that question two hours into our conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, using this term, you said about my brother, he coached him. He coached what? What do you mean? By okay. That? Uh, I'm actually stumped. Okay. <laughs> like, how do I even define it? Yeah. I saw it. Like, as you just, as you described it, as you gave the story, I was like, oh, wow. Ben coached Delhi. Wait, so what do you okay. mean by that? He oh, okay. You. He gave you a fresh perspective. Okay. He asked you a question. Okay. He made a statement. He allowed that you gave to, me a fresh perspective. He gave you a fresh perspective. Okay. That you needed. You needed that shift in perspective. Okay. So a coach is someone that can provide you with a press perspective because you're stuck right now. Right. You're filled with fear. You, need to, you went to your brother. He offered you a fresh perspective. It shifted your mindset. Oh, right. That's right. I'm like, okay. Immediately. In that, in, that, in that, that's coaching. Right. In that moment, I was like, okay, I'm as tied to my best month as I am to my worst month. That's a business guy. So I'm here, but I was there. Now forget that. And then that means I can also be somewhere else because part of when you're struggling, there's always this feeling like I'm the only one. I'm alone. Like when there's really struggling, like when the suffering sets in, that thought has to be there. Like, oh, no one's ever been through this. This is new <laughs> territory. You talk to someone else and it's like, especially a business guy you look up to or something like that. And he's like, dude, how many months have you lost money in a row? About 14. Yeah, I've done more. Really? I was like, okay. Okay. Not so bad. All right. All right. Okay. So the best, but the best way to qualify is, is he coached him, right? He offered, right, gave a you a fresh, fresh perspective, perspective. Gave you a fresh perspective, right in the moment where you were ready to absorb or receive that perspective. Because a lot of times you'll get that fresh perspective and you're just not ready to, to, to take it in. But regardless, someone's in front of you, you're struggling. They are actually happy. We and they, and they said it in a way that it, 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 it mentally and emotionally shifted your perspective. Right. Cause so from that moment on the shift was, it, 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 it changed. Right. Cause when you say it in that way, then it's like, yeah, why can't anyone coach anyone? But it also says, Hey, some people are better at that than others. And some oh, people, for sure. right. When you're regularly in conversations and people are like, aha, they're like, Oh, good. <laughs> I'm good at this. Right. I'm good at this. I'm regularly getting the ahas in conversation. I'm good at this. Okay. Do we so have a volunteer? Uh, no, do we have I a volunteer to, uh, to Shana, get I just want to say thank you. Shauna's giving me some love here. So I just want to say thank you to Shauna. Dude, are you seriously going to put me on a hot seat right now at eight, at two hours in? I think I think Fine. we've covered Ellie. I think if we've you're covered. good, I'm good. I'm good, dude. I don't know how you do this. Oh, this is I'm, this. I'm like eight hours on Zoom call. Okay, <laughs> how, how many hours have you been on the Zoom call today? I love you, Ellie. But <laughs> Two you know, hours. next time we'll just you know get somebody. I don't have to. I don't care who they are. I don't, well, I don't need to know anything. Shadow wants part two. Okay, we'll do a part two, and this time bring either bring on a therapist or bring on or bring on a, a client. I think a client, I think someone should see the Omar Bring Pinto it. coaching method. We got a question here. Hey, Omar, can you elaborate some degree on what the Omar Co Pinto coaching method? No, but I can show you. Show, don't tell. So <laughs> if, there's, if there's enough demand, we did this a couple of, a couple of years ago. I did a conversation with um, Rav Daniel Katz, and he spoke on and on and on about 
meditation and how there's not enough trans like certain kind of trans transcendent experiences within Judaism, but he studies it and learns it and everything else. And then at the end, I'm like, dude, so are we gonna do meditation? Like, <laughs> no. So we did a part two just to do a meditation. So if that's, I'll do, I'll do a part right, two. If that's, uh, so I'll do it as well. I just want to know going in that we have several volunteers who are ready to be coached. And then I'd love to watch and I'm not going to be silent. I will always interject and see if I can offer a fresh perspective as well. Oh, you always can, Ellie. <laughs> I've watched you. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like people, so I'm not a coach. <laughs> All right, everyone. Oh, Ellie, Thank you. you. You don't like people. You love people. <laughs> I love you, brother. Don't let the secret out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, know, you. Love you, Omar. Love the feedback. Love you too, brother. All right. And there you have it. Another episode of the In Search of More podcast. If you are interested in getting in touch with Omar Pinto, you can follow him on all of the channels, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm sure he's on some others. If you'd like to get in touch with him, you can email him at omarpintocoaching at gmail.com or visit omarpinto.com. That's O-M-A-R-P-I-N-T-O.com. Of course, he comes with my highest recommendation. But you've had the opportunity to listen to him for a couple of hours. So you make the decision and you take responsibility for that decision. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day.